0: Hey, I love the fact that we're in this series We're gonna we're gonna land this series, and Pastor. Uh, Adam and Pastor Adam have done a wonderful job, and and I need to tell you this, that while they were speaking, uh, I've been busy myself, okay, so I actually have a personal life, I realize I get to see you on Sundays, you are like, maybe this is, does he just live here? No, I have a personal life, right, I have a family, and so my wife and I have undergone some interesting transition, right, Uh, because about two weeks ago, uh, we took our youngest, uh, I have three kids, and my youngest, his name is Aaron, and uh, we took him about eight hours away to college and uh, drop, oh somebody, said, thank you, right no one did that, all right, and so we, we dropped him off at college, and uh, all of a sudden, bang, we were face-to-face with a transition of life, because at that moment, we became empty nesters, right, raise your hand if you're an empty nester, you have no kids at home, right, no, just keep them high. I want to know who I'm talking, no kids at home, right, all right, I mean, I have no kids at home, I'm, all I have at home is I'm raising my mother-in-law, that's all I have, right, she's living there, right, <laughs> But, but, but there are no kids at home. She's in here, if you're wondering. Like, I, I'm not always mean to her. But here's the deal. Here's the, here's the deal. I, it's a harder transition than I thought. I'm just being honest with you. Like, I didn't, I mean, it's, it's really a hard transition going from having the, I love being a dad. And, and that's been a hard transition for us. Uh, he's doing fine, right? He sent us some texts. I was like, man, he's having the time of his life. But, 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 but we're struggling, right? And, uh, but, but as we dropped him off at of college, it made me think of something. It made me, for whatever reason, I don't know if I was just trying to relate with him, but it made me think of when I went to college, which, to be honest with you, it doesn't seem that long ago, it's been a long time ago, but it doesn't seem that long ago, because I can remember distinctly when I went to college, and there's all kinds of things, newness that hit you when you, when you go to college, not the least of which, what are you going to major in, right? What are you going to major in when you go to college? And so I remember confronting that because when I went to college, here's what I wanted to do. I want now you're going to laugh, but I wanted to go to college and I wanted to come out the other end being a high school football coach. All right, it's right, right? The problem with that is this, okay, in order to be a high school football coach, what, you got to teach something in the school, right? And so I went into college thinking, okay, I want to be a high school football coach, so I got to teach something. What do I want to teach? So I kind of did well in math in high school, so I think I'll be a math major is what I thought, okay? So I declared as a math major. I went to my peer advisor. I said, let's set up my course list. We made my course list. And the very first semester, freshman year, I'm sitting in calculus one, all right? it makes sense right I'm a math major so I'm sitting in there with all these people that are kind of math people raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about a math kind of person right because I'm sitting in there like wow this is kind of cool I'm sitting in all these people making these new friends and we get through calculus one and here's what I need to tell you I survived by the skin of my teeth but I'm like that's fine I did well I, I got through it I got a passing grade I went back to my peer advisor and I said all right what's next they looked at me and said well calculus two of course I'm like you gotta be kidding me right but I went to Calculus 2, got about halfway through the semester, and then it dawned on me, you know, this ship's taking on water right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not doing well, but I stuck with it because I'm like, man, I'm going to do this, and I survived, right? But I was taking on water fast in Calculus 2. Went back to my peer advisor, and I said, I, got, I survived, I got through, made it to their side. What's next? I couldn't wait to get on to what was next. They said, well, Calculus 3, of course, right? I'm like, you have got... To be kidding me. So I remember Calculus 3 like it was yesterday because I sat in this room. There's about 20 of us, right? And I remember I'm looking around like, man, I don't look like I have anything in common with anybody, but that's all right. And I'm sitting there, and it took me about a weekend to know that I wasn't just taking on water. I was in deep weeds, man. Because here's the deal. I'm not kidding with you one minute. I didn't know any. I didn't know any of the answers. It wasn't just the answers I didn't know. Can I tell you this? I'm being as honest as I can be. It's not that I didn't just know the answers. I didn't even understand the questions people were asking, all right? And so I'm listening to, I'm like, are they even speaking English? I mean, are they talking my language? I don't even understand what they're saying. And so here's what happened. The further I got into it, the more irritating it became. Because I didn't understand anything. I'm like, what in the world are you guys talking about? But the more irritating it became, guess what? The more intimidated I became. You know Why? I didn't want to go to class. You know why? I didn't know what they were talking about. And so what I did was I began to justify in my mind what's intimidating. I don't want to go to class. It's irritating. I don't know what they're talking about. And so what I began to do in my mind, it's irrelevant. Who needs... When do you use this in the real world? How many have ever said that, right, about your math class, right? Like, when do they use this in the real world? It's irrelevant. And I became irritated. I was intimidated. I didn't want to go to class. I I, I kind of sloughed it off as it's irrelevant. You know what I did? I did what any good... College student does when they don't quite understand what's going on in class. I began to skip class. That's what I began doing, right? Until eventually I skipped so many classes that guess what I did? I dropped out as a math major, and I turned my back on it altogether and never went back. Why? Because it made no sense to me. I didn't understand the answers, let alone the questions. Why do I tell you that? Because when something doesn't make sense, it can irritate, intimidate, seem irrelevant, And be easy to walk away from. And when the story of Jesus doesn't make sense, it becomes really easy. For people to all of a sudden become frustrated because I don't even understand what they're talking about, right? To become intimidated. Why would I go there? It seems like everybody knows what everybody's talking about. To all of a sudden say, well, that's really not for me. I'm not that kind of person. That story seems irrelevant. It's not real. And it's not really where I'm at. And for many, what becomes easy is for them to turn their back on it altogether. It's why I love the fact that one of our overarching values here is we live to make Jesus make sense. I love the fact that that is one of our overarching values at Grace Church. And stay with me on this because some of you have grown up in church. Like You're like, man, been around a long time. You really need to dial in now. The reason I love the fact that this is one of our overarching values, ready, is because Jesus doesn't make sense to everybody. The story of Jesus doesn't make sense to everybody. And some of you are looking at me like, what? I mean, we, we live in Ohio, United States of America. Certainly, everybody's heard of Jesus and it makes sense. No, it's not the case. And, and in case you don't believe me, when I was coaching in Indiana, I coached football. Well, I became friends with some of my coaching buddies, you know, and uh, we would go lift weights together. Me and a buddy might go lift weights, and, I, and for two and a half years, I'd invite him to church, right? I'm like, come. And so one Easter Sunday, two and a half years into this, he's going to Come. And so, so he's sitting there, and we, there weren't many people there because we had just planned the year, started from that, and, and, and I'm sharing the Easter story, and I was trying to be creative, so I was sharing it first person between you and me. It was awful, okay? I didn't think I did that. But anyways, he sat there with his family, and then we went and lifted weights on Monday. He was on the bench, and he did his set, and he got done, and he racked the weight, and he said, hey, Dan, I got a question about yesterday. I'm like, yes! I'm ready, you know? This was his question. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, you know, who was that dude the Jews were trying to kill? I said, you mean Jesus? Oh, that was his name? I'm in the middle of Indiana, in the, the buckle of the Bible belt, and this guy looks at me and says, who was that? He said, here's the deal. The story of Jesus does not make sense to everyone. And because the story of Jesus doesn't make sense to everyone, we have a passion to make the story of Jesus make sense. Adam and Aiden both did incredible jobs leading us through this. I so appreciate, I get the chance to be part of an incredible team. I so appreciate what they have shared with us. And I love how this value plays out. We have a description. Here's what it says. We're preoccupied. Say that word out loud with me. Preoccupied with making any necessary sacrifice to make this story clear and accessible pastor adam kind of covered this he talked about why why is this a big deal why are we preoccupied and when he covered this he took us to the passage you have laying in your lap if you don't feel comfortable with the bible that's fine we'll throw it on the screen but here's why we're preoccupied for christ's love compels us look here a second you need to get this the reason we're preoccupied with making this story make sense isn't because we're guilted into it isn't because there's some obligation of the law that's not why you know why we're preoccupied with it? Because the story of Jesus is about God being preoccupied with us. And, and, and literally the word Paul uses here is we get so filled up, the more we understand how much God loves us. Like, I want to pop. That's what he's saying. Like, I want to pop. So he says, it's like, oh, man, that's what, it's like oozing out of me. That's what he's saying. But he does stop. It. He says, and we're convinced. Convinced of what? One died for all, therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. What's he saying? He said, we're we're compelled by his love and we're convinced of this message and the message is just this, that Jesus came and lived the life none of us have lived but he ended up dying the death. All of us deserve to die. He died in our place. And so we are compelled by his love. We're convinced of this message which led Paul to say this. So because of that, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We once regarded Christ in this way. We don't do that any longer. Anyone's in Christ, new creation has come. Old, gone, new, here, all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And this is where Aidan led us beautifully last week because Adam said, here's why. And Aiden said, this story of Jesus it's all about the who. It changes the way we see everybody. And so if you look back at our value, the way it fleshes out, it says we are preoccupied. Why? Because the story of Jesus changes the way I see me. Like, I, I, through, when I look at myself through the story of Jesus, here's, I see myself humbly. Like, I'm not some arrogant religious, like, oh, look, you know, but I'm like, Jesus died for me. I am a recipient of his grace And then I see myself, if I am a recipient of that, I'm a dispenser of it. You see how that works? And then he says, the story of Jesus, we see Jesus different. He's not a cosmic vending machine. Like, I don't look at him through that lens, like, what what are you going to do for me? What have you done for me lately, Jesus? die on the cross, you know? Like, I begin to look at like, wow. And and then anyone, I begin to see people different. I, I see people as people need a shepherd. They need someone to love them and lead them. So I'm compelled by his love. I'm convinced of his message. It changes the way I see everyone, which leads Paul to say, what's next? He said, so because of all that, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We, say this word out loud with me, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look here a second, We don't use that word much, right? Or at least I don't, maybe you do, I don't know, but implore, what in the world does he mean? I love the way the New American Standard says it. We beg you. Do you hear, listen, do you hear the urgency in Paul? He's like, we beg you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's like, we implore, we beg. New Living says it this way We plead with you, come back to God. It's like this message that is compelling, convincing, and changing has so filled us that we beg you, we implore. There's urgency, there's passion, there's priority which is why the description of our value says this. Now now look up here. I want you to read the parts underlined out loud with me when I get there. Can we do that? Deal? Here we go. We are preoccupied with, here we go, making any necessary sacrifice to make the story of Jesus clear and accessible to anyone seeking after him. Why are we preoccupied with making any necessary sacrifice? Look here, let's just just connect some dots because here's what I think is gonna happen today. If you'll stay dialed in with me, this morning, I think dots will connect for you. If, if Grace Church is your home, here's what I hope. I hope that the dots will begin to connect. You're like, bam, bam, bam. Oh, now it makes sense. If you're here and, and you're like, I'm not even a follower of Christ. I'm not even sure why I'm here. Cool. You I'm giving you a chance to see behind the scenes as to what drives us, what motivates us, okay? Why in the world would it say we're preoccupied with making any necessary sacrifice? Listen, listen. It only makes sense. Because... The story of Jesus, you ready, is about Jesus making the necessary sacrifice to make the path to a relationship with God clear and accessible. And so it only makes sense when I look at the story of Jesus, and the story of Jesus is found in verse 21, where it says, God made him. Who's that? Jesus, who had no sin. He lived the life none of us have lived to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's how I want you to remember it. That's what we call the great exchange. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for us in our place for our sin so that when I come to Jesus and I say yes, that's the way we say it, say yes to Jesus, I place, It seems crazy, let it blow your mind, I place my sin on him, he's dying for my sin and he hangs on me, his righteousness, Like, if you're dialed in with me right now, you're like, what? I mean, that don't seem fair. It's not. That's what the Bible calls grace. You see? That's the gospel. That's the story of Jesus. And it's that story that convinces and compels and changes us. And it only stands to reason that people who've been changed by that story are willing to make any necessary sacrifice to make that story clear and accessible. Because it's the story about the one who made the sacrifice. You see? You see, here's what I believe. That when the story of Jesus comes from, you ready? When the story of Jesus comes from a platform of piousness or angry arrogance or self-righteousness, it doesn't compute. It doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. And you know what happens? It irritates people. It intimidates them, right? They, they, they all of a sudden say, well, that's irrelevant, and it becomes easy to turn my back, walk away, shut the door, and not want to engage in the conversation. Here's what I believe, okay? Here's what I believe. How Listen close. How we communicate the story of Jesus needs to reflect the story we're communicating. How we communicate needs to reflect what it is that we're communicating. So what does that mean? What does that mean? How does that look? How does that look here at Grace Church? How does that kind of play itself out? I want to talk about three things today, not extensive, three things. I want you to fill in your blanks, but before we get there, I've, been, I've already done this twice, and I promise you, because I've had conversations, I think some of what I'm going to, some of you in this room right now, I'm going to share some of you and be like, I don't know, I agree. I'm okay with that if you are, right? If you'll do me this favor. Some of you have grown up in church, that's usually the people that I frustrate, right? I'm okay with that. If you'll do me this favor, if you'll be honest and allow it to marinate, the three things I want to share with you, because we'll make any necessary sacrifice. What does that mean? I want you to write this down first. We'll make any necessary sacrifice by accepting people where they are instead of expecting them to be where they're not. We're going we're to make any necessary sacrifice by accepting people where they are instead of expecting them to be where they're not. Listen. Too often, religion is characterized by yelling at people because they're not where they ought to be, right? Some of you know this experientially, like, yeah, man, that's why it took me forever and a day to walk back into a church, right? The story of Jesus is polar opposite. Don't take my word for it. You go check it out. But it is about accepting people where they are in order to love and lead them where they need to be. It's about meeting them on their turf in their mess. You check me out. Don't take my word for it. Don't ever do that here. You check me out. Let me show you an example. Matthew 9 says this. Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew. He was sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, if you're like, man, I'm newer to the Bible. What's the big deal there? First century reader would be been like, whoop, 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 right? Because tax collector, bad, scoundrel, ripoff, worked for the Romans kind of deal. Jesus goes up to this guy, been easier to avoid, he says, hey, why don't you follow me? And so Matthew got up and followed him, and while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, that's interesting, many tax collectors, not a good thing, and sinners, doesn't feel like your traditional church meeting, right? Like he's having dinner with tax collectors and sinners, they came and ate with him. Listen, a little sidelight, it's interesting to me when you read the story of Jesus that he attracted people Who were very, maybe unlike him, even. There's something about Jesus and his story that attracted people. The sinners and the tax collectors ate with him, right? And they ate with his disciples, but there's another group in the story. They were called the Pharisees, and when they saw this, they asked his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Pharisees were, if you're newer to the Bible, it's like, those were people who really took pride in their religiosity, right? And they were proud of all the things they did, and they weren't afraid to yell at you for the things you didn't do that you ought to do. Okay, let's just think of it that way. And so they say to us, like, why is he eating with these scoundrels, you know, kind of scum over there? Why is he doing that, man? That's kind of a messy crowd he's with. I love it when Jesus answers a question that somebody didn't ask him, like, he's listening in, right? And he's like, I'll answer that for you, right? Right? He says, it's not healthy people who need a doctor. It's those who are sick. It's interesting. Think of it this way. just, just stay with it. If Jesus is God with skin on, when God showed up, Jesus comes. It's interest, interesting to me, first and foremost, what he didn't do. When, when, when God with skin on showed up, he didn't build a big building and say, hey, come listen to me. I got this really good. He didn't do that, Right? Nothing against buildings, but that's not what he did. He didn't go around yelling at people. He didn't do that. Instead, what you see Jesus doing is you see him meeting people on their turf. You, you check it out. You, you see him meeting a guy named Nick in the nighttime. Nicodemus. Why did he do that? Well, I think Nicodemus might have been afraid of what people thought, you know? It's like, oh, I'm not sure if I should hang out with Jesus. You see him meeting a woman in John 4 at a well I tend to think she was by herself, which begs the question, why was she by herself at the well? Well, I think it might have to do with the fact no one else wanted to go to the well with her. I don't know. Why would no one want to go to the well with her? Well, I tend to think it has something to do with the fact she was married five times and living with a guy she wasn't married to. And Jesus decided, I'll sit down here at the well and have a conversation. You see, Jesus having dinner with people who's... Rep- all over the place, he's, he's literally jumping on the turf of people, meeting them in their mess. I want to tell you something, okay? The story of Jesus, when it is accurately communicated and conveyed, listen close. The story of the Jesus of the Bible makes sense to people who are messed up, jacked up, and need help. You mark my word problem is this, that a lot of times people in our culture, they hear about this story of Jesus in a way that doesn't make sense. And so they see religion and they think the story of Jesus is only for people who are cleaned up and all put together. You see how that works? You see, Jesus, that's not the way he operated. So, so what does it mean if you and I are going to accept people where they're at? To help them go where they need to go. I think here's what it means. I think if we're going to accept people where they're at, I'm going to let you in on some things here, but, but if we're going to accept them, we're, there, we're going to have to learn how to get on their turf. Hey, there, that means several things. Let me first tell you this, that I get the chance to lead an incredible team of people here. And so we meet every week, several times, different meetings, and, and, and this will help explain why we do certain things and why we don't do certain things. But, but I will tell you something that we constantly pull back on. We do not want to fill up, quote unquote, the church calendar with all kinds of church activities. So that church people are always hanging out with church people. You know why? Because when that's what happens, you create a church subculture, and you try to invite people into that subculture, and that's not what Jesus did. You know what he did? He infiltrated his culture. That's what he did. And and if that's the case, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to apply this, okay? You're like, okay, what are you getting at, Dan? Listen, you may not hear many preachers, but I'm going to tell you this. It could be, ready, that the most spiritual Christ-like thing that you will do this week is have a cookout with your neighbors. Is maybe it's going to a game with your coworker. Maybe it's deciding to go to the gym finally with that friend who's been asking to come work out with him. Maybe it's having a play date with the kindergarten mom that you met in the kindergarten line. Why? Because I think the one whose message we're compelled by, convinced of, changed by, he had a way of getting on their turf. He had a way of meeting them, and you know what that means? If if we're going to get on their turf, let's just go with this a little bit. It means we're going to get messy. Why? People are messy, right? One amen in the room. Amen, right? That's kind of hard to amen, right? But but people are messy. And and the story of Jesus that we're convinced of, compelled by, think about this, is about already a messiah who met us in our mess, rescued us out of our mess, quite frankly, when I describe y'all, don't be offended by this, okay? Don't send me an email, but because I believe this. When I describe y'all, you know what I tell people? I say, yeah, we're a church. We're the church of the beautiful mess. Like, if you come to our campus, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of messiness, because the gospel is all about Jesus taking us out of our messiness and making beautiful what was a mess. And, and quite frankly, if you don't think you're a mess, you prob- the story of Jesus isn't going to make a lot of sense. I grew up in church where the, the story, it's, you still are a mess apart from Christ. And so we're going to get messy. And, 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 and something else that makes me think is this, if I read the story of Jesus right Once in a while, if we meet people on their turf, get messy, and and, and do that kind of thing, here's the deal. We're going to offend religious people along the way. Not on purpose. It will happen. Why are you guys doing that? Why are you hanging out with that? Well, it'll happen. You know what? At the end of this deal, they kind of want to kill Jesus, right? So we're going to accept people where they are instead of expecting them to be where they're not. There's something else I want you to write this down. We'll make any necessary sacrifice by serving people's needs instead of demanding our rights. That's interesting to me because I think sometimes the story of Jesus doesn't make sense because there are some people, not everybody, that when they think of church and people who go to church, now I'm stereotyping, generalizing, but you have met these kind of people. When they think of church and people who go to church, when they think of a church, they think of a place where people are opinionated and they know churches for what they're against and what they protest. I want to tell you, and there's nothing wrong with having opinions and convictions, but listen, you ought to write this down. It's not original with me, but it, boy, it, it punches a pack. Here, here's the deal. You can, we can, as a church, make a point and never make a difference. There's a lot of people who, in the name of Jesus, are making a point. Are making my point, and But you can make a point without ever making a difference. And so the, the question becomes, what if our first instinct was to serve people instead of demand our way and make sure they... And you're like, well, why would we do that? Well, that's, I'm glad you ask. Because the story of Jesus is that. In fact, here's the way Philippians 2 says that in your relationships with each other, have the mindset of Christ. What was that? Who, being in very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He leveraged his life by taking the very nature of a servant, made himself in human likeness, being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The story of Jesus is about God in the flesh leveraging his life for my needs. So that's why Paul says at the beginning of the chapter, he says, then I don't want you to do anything out of selfish ambition vain, conceit, because when that message convinces you and compels you, I want you to value others above yourselves because you see yourself humbly, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Let me ask you a question. Class participation. Ready? Class participation. Anybody in the room... Notice that our culture seems to be narcissistic. Raise your hand if you, yeah, okay. You're like, some of you are like, I I see some of you are like, what's that? You know, and, and I wouldn't know, but here's narcissism. Literally, narcissism is when I look at every relationship I have and every circumstance through the lens of how does it affect me? Does it hurt me? Does it help me? So, my neighbors, I look at them through the lens of, Do they help me? Do they hurt me? Do they get in my way? Do they annoy me? It's about what? Me. Here's what's interesting. We live in a culture that is somewhat narcissistic, and the story of Jesus goes right against the grain of that. And so when the story of Jesus begins to fill me up to the point I want to burst, I become convinced of it and changed by it. All of a sudden, it develops in me this impulse and this instinct that when I come into contact with you, my question isn't, hey, what are you going to do for me? But my question becomes instinctively, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? See how that works? In fact, this is so fascinating. I kind of geek out on on reading history and things like that. You might not be into history, but kind of dial in with me on this, because if you go back into history, one of the last anti-Christian Roman emperors, his name was Julian, He said something that was fascinating. So he wasn't a Christian, and he was kind of against Christianity and all that stuff. This is what he said. He said, now listen close. He said, it's the charity, the charity of Christians to absolute strangers that has contributed mostly to the advancement of Christianity. He did not say, man, they got some incredible preachers. He didn't say, wow, they're rocking it out with a band. He didn't say their building's amazing. He didn't say their program. Somebody said, you know what he said? The thing that in this culture that was against Christianity, he said the reason it's advancing like wildfire is these people put other people's needs above themselves. Isn't that interesting? You see, that's the story of Jesus. What if other people's needs trumped my rights, my preferences, my convenience, and it compelled me and convinced me? It's why... It's why we believe something here at Grace Church. So you ought to write this down. If you've never heard this before, I want you to hear it. We believe here that God gave the church to the world. We believe he gave it to the world. You're like, why do you believe that? Well, it only makes sense. Because God gave Jesus to the world, didn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave who? His only begotten son, Jesus And the church is the body of Jesus in the world. And so that's why here at Grace Church, you need to know this, we'll do hard things to help people. Our our desire is to put people's needs above our demand for our rights and our way. So we're going to accept people where they are instead of expect them to be where they're not. We're going to serve people's needs instead of demand. Our, and there's something else. And I think, uh, look here before we put it up there. That some of you that grew up in church, some of you maybe that are older, stay with me because you know I love you. But some of you may be like, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with I'm, I'm fine with that if you are because I believe this to the bottom of my toes, to the top of my head, and that's this. That we're going to make any necessary sacrifice by engaging people in spiritual conversations instead of pushy presentations we're going to engage them in spiritual conversations if you take me up on studying the life of jesus here's what you're going to find this is what jesus did when you read about his life he preached to the crowds yes he taught big groups yes Read the book of John. He had conversations. John 3, with a religious guy. John 4, the woman at the well. John 5, an invalid man. John 8, woman caught in adultery. You read the story of Jesus. He had conversations. I'm convinced that the reason sometimes people who don't go to church, who aren't into this thing, are irritated, intimidated, think it's irrelevant, is this, is that too many times they see the church talking at them instead of with them. Reminds me of when I was in college. This, this is interesting to me. When I was in college, I was trained on how to share your faith, tell people about Jesus. I was trained in a program, and I'm not going to mention it, because it's a good program. They had great, and some of you maybe got saved in this. I don't know. But, but, but it was interesting to me, and it's more interesting to me now than it was then, because here's what they did. Let me tell you what, what, how I was trained. We met together in a class for weeks on end, and we memorized this presentation so we memorized scripture and we memorized exactly how the conversation was supposed to go. We memorized it word for word, line for line. And so when you had it down, here's the way it worked, you paired up with somebody. So you had a partner. And, and, and then they took you and your partner to a community where you might not know anybody who lives in the community and you would knock on the door. So here we have two college students knocking on your door. You some of you have been in church too long and you're not thinking right about this. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's kind of weird. Somebody's showing up, right? Somebody's shaking your head like, okay. But if that's not weird enough, because if you show up at my door today and I don't know you, right? And like, here's what I think. You're selling something or you're lost, right? But here's what they trained us to do. You knock on the door, you introduce yourself, you're like, hey, you know, you kind of, but it's real kind of polished in the presentation. And then not very long into the conversation, you look at the person and say, hey, I have a question for you. If you were to die today and go to heaven and stand before God, what would you say? Some of you have been in church too long, because if that doesn't seem funny to you or weird to you, because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If I, didn't know, if I didn't grow up in church, and, and, and you showed up in my house, and I didn't know anything about this story of Jesus, and you knock on my door, and I don't know you, so I'm in the middle of watching the football game, and you show up while I'm watching the football game. And then your first question to me is, hey, if you were to die today, I'm thinking, you're crazy. Are you packing something? What's going on with you, right? You see, it's like, what in the world? Here's why I find that interesting. Okay, this this is intriguing to me. You you check me on this. Don't ever just take me at my word. I want you to jump in and check me. Here's the deal when you read about the life of Jesus, this is interesting. He asked more questions than he answered. I think if you and I are going to learn to engage in spiritual conversations, you ought to write this down. We need to learn to ask good questions. Oh, I'm not done. And then listen. Both are lost arts. I think if we're going to engage in spiritual conversations, we've got to learn to ask good questions. Why, why do we got to learn to ask good questions? Well, I think, first of all, it tells the person I'm listening to, hey, your needs matter to me. I want to seek to understand you before I seek to be understood. How will I accept you where you're at if I don't know where you're at? And, and then sometimes, this is interesting, when I ask other people questions, the questions become the tool to help them understand where they're at. Because when I ask the question, all of a sudden ha- they, they, they begin to look at things maybe they took for granted. I had this happen to me. I'll tell you an example. I had this happen to me. I have a friend of mine. He uh, comes and he hangs out with me once in a while, he's, he's a dogmatic atheist. Which begs the question of itself, right? And I asked him one day, I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. You know, why do you keep scheduling coming and hanging out with me? Like, you're atheist and let everybody know that. And I'm kind of a pastor. And you know, kind of, he looked at me and said, that's a good question. He said, I, I like hanging out with you. And he said, I don't know, it kind of helps. I like talking. I'm like, okay, cool. You keep coming. And so the way our conversations go are this like, for the first 45 minutes or so, I just ask questions. Hey, help me understand. Tell me about, you know. Well, one day I'm asking, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking him about himself, asking him questions. And I said something in the question. I asked him about something. And this is what he said to me. This was so fascinating. I wasn't giving him a presentation. I wasn't trying to tell him. I said, He said, that is so wrong. I'm like, like, passion. I'm like, wow. I, I, I said, you feel like you really believe it. He said, that is wrong. I'm like, What makes you say that? He said, this is wrong. I know it's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. I said, I just asked him another question. I said, how do you know it's wrong? Like, he said, you just know. Like, who told you that was wrong? He said, I I just know. There's something I just know. I know it's wrong. To which I just said this to him. I said, oh, so you do believe in a God? He looked at me and said, I don't, preacher. (laughs) I said, oh, I'm not, like, I get it. You don't believe in my God, but you do believe in a God. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you believe in a God. Your God just happens to be you. Like, you you know and determine, and and he looked at me. I wasn't being pushy. We just had the conversation, and he said, I've never thought about it like that. And I said, I guess you're right. And then I just asked another question. I said, "How's that working for you?" It wasn't being mean. I said, "How's it going for you?" He looked at me and he said, "It's not. That's why I'm here." He still doesn't believe in God. He's my friend. We have a conversation. You see, here's the deal. I think if we learn to ask good questions, and then listen, sometimes it gives us opportunities that a pushy presentation would never give. I think also we got to write this down. We need to learn to speak their language here's what I mean by that. I don't have much time to flesh this out, but how many of you have ever been to a foreign country that didn't speak English? Raise your hand. and see who I'm talking to. Okay, if you never have been, it can be intimidating because you, you, you go there and like you have no idea what they're saying and they have no idea what you're saying. I was in Argentina for a couple of weeks and uh, when, in Argentina, they don't speak English. And when you go to a place where they don't speak your language, you, I didn't go to Argentina saying, listen guys, you guys got to speak English. So you can understand what I'm saying. It's like, that seems crazy, right? You figure out how to communicate in their language. Why? Because that's what they speak. Look here a second. Here's the deal. God, ready? God gives us this timeless, never-changing message, and he says, I want you to take it, be the ambassador to those people. An ambassador goes where? To a foreign country. And so God, in his word, says, you're foreigners and aliens there. So you take this message and figure out how to translate it there. You see... Here's the deal, some of you in the room, and I'm not picking on I'm because I grew up in church, so I, but some of you have been around church, and so sometimes our, this Christianese, raise your hand if you've ever heard that, Christianese, it's like, we get so used to talking in certain ways, and people don't understand it. Like, let me give you some examples, like, you go up to somebody and say, hey, you know something, did you know you're lost? Like, it makes no sense unless you meet Pastor Aiden at a rest area. That makes no sense, right? And he'll be lost if you meet him there, right? But, but, but the truth of the matter is, people, like, that would make no sense if you didn't grow up in church. I'm lost? I, I know where I'm at. I know what you mean. You know what I mean, but it's like, what? Or, or think about this, and, and this is a saying that's precious to me. Like, I'm a father, fo- but, 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 but you need to be washed in the blood of the lamb, don't go knocking on somebody's door saying that. They're going to walk their dog up and say, hey, man, what kind of, what kind of cult are you in, right? right? It's a precious statement. It's like a powerful statement. But it's like, it, it makes no sense unless you understand. See, see what I'm saying? We've got to learn to speak their language. I think we've got to learn to ask good questions, learn to speak their language, and then you got to write this down. I think you need to learn to tell your story. I think people resonate with story. I was at the football game, and a young high school gal, ninth grade, came up to me, and she said, hey, Pastor Dan, and she was so excited about something. She says, you know what really resonates with me? I said, what's that? She said, I love it when people tell me their story. She's not alone. What she shared with me is is, people, is what people all over the place resonate with, and that is people's story. Here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story. You don't need to learn some polished presentation and so when you engage people, you're willing to ask questions, you're willing to learn their language, hey, let's just like not use crazy words that you don't understand, intimidate you, you walk away from it, Let, let's talk, real, and I got a story, can I just tell you my story? You see, all of a sudden, we got a, we got a playing field where the story of Jesus begins making sense. We'll make any necessary sacrifice, we'll accept people where they are, we'll serve their needs, we'll engage them in spiritual conversation. Which leads real quickly, then, then, then it says this. It says, we're preoccupied, gonna make any necessary sacrifice, and we're gonna make it clear and accessible. How and when do we do that? Two things and I'm done. But, but I wanna share these things with you because I think it'll help you understand some things here at Grace Church. First is this. We're gonna make the story clear and accessible when we gather, that's now. We're gonna make it clear and accessible. Now, 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 I just wanna be real practical for a second. That's why we do what we do how we do it. This is why we do what we do, how we do it here. Can I just tell you this? We accept people where they're at. And so uh, that's why we love to tell people, come as you are. I have people say, you know something? I'm not sure if I can come to church. I don't have church clothes. You know what my answer to them is? Do you have clothes? They're like, yeah, you got church clothes. Come as you are. That's, that's why we have different groups that are willing to meet people that are like either in messiness or in hurt or so we have grief share, we have divorce care, we have recovery in Christ. That's why in October we're going to start a new group for families who, who are in a situation where there's addicts in their home. They're like, I don't know how to navigate this, right? And, and, and why? Well, we want to meet people where they're at. We want to we, we meet them even if it's That's what we want to do. I have pastors all the time say, man, when I hear about your church, it sure sounds messy. You know what I tell them? I say, yeah, we kind of like it that way. (laughs) Secret, don't tell them, but their church is messy too. Okay? You with me? That's why we prefer guests. I get asked this, like, you know why every Sunday do you stand up there and say, welcome to first-time guests? Alert. Because if you're a first-time guest, it's your first time hearing it. And so if you're not, just, just tune out. It's all right. It's why we prefer them. It's why we have greeters. If you're a greeter, you work in the, in the parking lot, thank you. You're like some of the most important people here. I'm not just saying that so that we can work. I mean that. Like, like you get a chance to meet, it's why we park cars. You know, I have people say, why well, do we have a park? I know how to park. I'm not so sure all of us know how to park, by the way, but <laughs> I've seen some of you Mike drive, but uh, I had a lady tell me this a couple weeks ago. She said, you know something? I came here for the first time, the parking team, I was so relieved. I said, really? Why? She said, I didn't have to think about where I was going to park. I was so intimidated. I didn't know which door to go in. I didn't, Yeah. Makes sense. You ever go somewhere you don't know anybody? It's like, I'm not sure where I go, what I do. That's why we do it. You see, it starts to make sense. It's why we will, it's why around here we love change. In fact, I want you to say that out loud with me, just in case you're not convinced. We love change. I'm not convinced. Say it again. We love change. Remember that as you get older, okay? Because we do. We just don't know that we do, but we do. We love change, I promise you, that's why you have a smartphone. That's why you use a microwave, right? That's why nobody, but, nobody in this room rode their horse here today, right? right? We love change, and the story we're convinced of and compelled by is all about Jesus changing us. And so we're going to find ways. We're going to find ways to tell this story in ever-changing ways. Why? Because it, it, it matters more to us that people understand the story than it is that we do it the way we all. You know, that's, that's not even... That's not even an issue around here. Like, it's crazy. It's why I hear people, and then I need to raise on. I hear people talk about, I'm a charter member of such and such a church. I'm not even sure what that is, by the way. But like, they're really proud they're a charter member, and it means they've been there longer than anybody else. And so here's usually what it means when somebody says, I'm a charter member of, it usually means, I'm a charter member, so I get my way. I don't want to mumble right now. That ain't the way it works at Grace Church. You know why? Because we want to make the story of Jesus make sense. And so if we had charter members, the people who are members here and have been here longer, it's not so they can get their way. It's so they can give their life away. And the longer you're here and the longer you're following Christ, the more you want to give your life away for the sake of others. See how that works? You see, we want to make it clear and accessible when we gather. I could go on and on. It helps you make sense of what we do here, right? Right? But, but not just when we gather, I want you to write this down. We want it to be clear and accessible when we go. And, and I really want you to hear me say this, like the most powerful moment of this church service right now, we're having a church service, so to speak, is, is in a few minutes when you walk through the doors. That's the way this guy sees it. The most powerful moment of this service is when I dismiss you and you walk through those doors, because that's when the church goes and infiltrates the culture. We open the doors and the church leaves the building. Church isn't the building, it's not the service. Church leaves the building. And here's what Paul said, we're ambassadors of Christ. We live to make Jesus make sense. So can I ask you a question? I want you to really dial in, then I'm done. Who? If you're a follower of Christ, who are the two or three people that God has deliberately put into your life that he's called you to make the story of Jesus make sense to them? If you're sitting here and you're a follower of Christ and you're like, I don't really have anybody, then I beg you. I beg you, because you do, to go home and begin praying, God, would you open my eyes to the people in my life that you put there? And once he begins to show you those people, can I challenge you this way? What would it mean for you to get on their turf, to serve their needs, to learn their language, to ask them questions, so that you might have a chance to tell your story? You see, when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. And he says we are his ambassadors. And he's making his appeal through us. Can I ask you this question? What's the appeal sound like coming from you? No guilt. No obligation. But if this story fills me up to the point I'm going to pop, there's people around that I hope I get wet with the story. You see how that works? Some of you in the room, the story doesn't make sense. You haven't connected. You're, not, you're like, it's just not me. I'm not a follower. I grew up different. I, but I, I'm interested and I'm intrigued. Listen, I'm glad you're here. You keep coming. This is a safe place for you. I say this all the time. You don't have to agree with me to come here on Sundays. I tell our group that on Sunday nights. You don't have to agree with me to come, right? Glad you're here. But I want you to know this, that something this bald preacher is convinced of is this story called the gospel that says, Jesus came, Christmas, that was God with us. God with skin on. But he grew up and they nailed him to a cross and that was God in place of us. That he died and he died in our place that God loves you this morning. Loves you. And you might be sitting there saying, I don't know what I gotta do to be okay with God. And he says, you need to say yes to the one who died in your place took your spot. That's the gospel. You're like, I'm not there yet, Dan. That's okay. We love the fact that you're here, but that is the message we're convinced of because it's the message that changes us, changes everything about us. And so, Father, we want to live to make Jesus make sense. So we're going to get ready to go into this next series, and I pray, God, that you would even now, for some of us who are Christ followers, put in our mind's eye, two or three people, that we might have a chance to say, hey, just go with me and hang out. and that We might get on their turf, have a cookout with them, go work out with them. God, that, that we might work hard to learn their language. We might work hard to listen so that we might have understanding that can lead to, to us being wise in their life and that we might be willing to share our story when, when that's appropriate. God, some of us in this room, we're not there yet. We haven't said yes to Jesus, and we're just kind of curious, checking things out. And and I'm glad those people are here this morning. I'm so thankful for that. And my prayer is this, is that they would, the story of Jesus would make more sense as a result of hanging out with us. That's what I pray. So thanks for that opportunity. We love you. And praise in Jesus' name.